Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends, offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Why would someone dedicate their life to preserving the Christian heritage of America? This is the story of Leo and Nancy Martin. On one hand, they have been captivated by a vision to educate locals and visitors about the founding of America. On the other hand, they captivate audiences through their gifted visuals and storytelling of Leo's tours of Plymouth and Nancy's attention to detail at the Jenny. We pause, as we typically do at the beginning of our show, to remind you the reason we have the Good Life program, well, my friend is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins. He shed his blood on that cross, yes, he was buried. And three days later, he rose again from the grave. And today, the living Christ offers God's hope. God's hope to you. God's hope If you've never turned to Christ, it's our prayer that you would turn from your way to God's way called repentance and open your heart. Receive him as your Savior and Lord. And uh, if you already know the Lord, well, we're going to be encouraged today. We surely are. Leo Martin is an educator and expert on the early history of the United States. He's been called the last God-fearing guide in historic Plymouth, Massachusetts. Leo maintains that the pilgrims and founding fathers established one nation under God, founded on Judeo-Christian values. Leo and his wife Nancy speak on a variety of subjects related to the pilgrims and the founding of our country. They've been married for over 40 years, close to 50 years, and have three grown children and four grandchildren. Leo and Nancy, welcome. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Where did you grow up, Leo? Well, I grew up uh, right here. I was born in Boston, and uh, I grew up on the South Shore in Hingham. uh, It was for my family. I'm the second oldest of 10 children. Uh, We grew up in Hingham. Uh, We married, and we raised our family in Situate, Massachusetts, and we've been in Plymouth for 21 years. 21 years. How about you, Nancy? Where did you grow up? Um, Oh, a lot of little places. I was born in Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is in the middle part of the state. Uh, I don't tell that to a lot of people. Um, And then uh, my father changed jobs. I'm one daughter of uh, seven sons, so uh, does that sound right? Uh, But anyways, I have seven brothers. And um, so my father had job transfers. I lived in Georgia for a year. I lived in uh, California for my sixth grade of life. And then we moved back to Massachusetts and into Situate. And we were there until 
I got married to Leo, and we moved to Plymouth. And it was actually 22 years ago that we moved to Plymouth, and 21 years we've been doing business together. So, so you both ended at Situate, and so I, I take it you met there uh, in, in Situate, or no? No. Uh, well, where did you meet? Well, this is the second half of our lives. <laughs> I was a m- manager of a lounge in Hanover, Massachusetts, and uh, uh, Nancy was one of my bartenders. We hired Nancy to work at the bar as one of our bartenders, so at that, that time, I was her boss. Mm. By the way, that's the last time I was boss. <laughs> <laughs> the, the man is the head, as they say, but the, the woman is the, the neck that's turning the head. Exactly <laughs> right. Okay, so now, who influenced you most, Leo? In your growing up years, take us back. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard thing to say. I grew up again, one of ten children, so uh, my parents were somewhat uh, scattered in their ability to to influence somebody, one person out of ten. I was fortunate enough to be uh, very good athletically, uh, so I spent most of my time playing athletics and uh, and being coached. What was your favorite sport? Uh, well, I, I played football. And uh, I enjoyed that. I also ran track. I was one of the fastest people in the state of Massachusetts uh, when I ran track. And, uh, and I was very successful at that. It was a natural ability. Uh, but God and his uh, thinking took it away from me. Uh, my junior year, I was playing football, and I broke my thigh and spent uh, eight months in the hospital and uh, lost all my speed and lost all my athletic ability. So I, at that point, I had to turn directions. So this was on the field? Yeah. yeah. What position did you play? I was a halfback. Halfback. Running back. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. The speed, the yeah. quickness. Yeah. At the time, I was yeah. the second highest scorer in the state of Massachusetts in football. But God had other plans. So sports... That was in your veins. Yeah. How about you, Nancy? Who influenced you with, with all your travels in those early days as a child? <clears throat> hmm. Well, as being one of, you know, seven kids, <laughs> I wasn't the princess in the family. Uh, I was treated like one of the guys. Um, so when we traveled, I, my, I didn't really have a, a religious family at all. We were my mother was Catholic, my father was Protestant, uh, so we never really went to church. Uh, during our younger times, we, as we were raised Catholic, so we had to do the Catholic things. I had to make my first communion, that sort of thing. Um, so there was no God in my life, so there really was no influence either. My, parent, I'm, my family was the opposite of his, I think. We were very secular family. Uh, when my father moved to us to Georgia, I, uh, I think the first time God ever touched me was um, my sister-in-law, one of my sister-in-laws was a Christian, and she tried to tell me about God, but I was in the fifth grade, so I, I listened, but I got invited to well, a... you remember? I do. Uh, those are I don't remember very much, like what I ate for breakfast this morning. But there are certain things in my life, and and uh, my sister-in-law, she's an ex-sister-in-law now, but she's still alive. She lives still lives in Georgia, but she tried to tell me many times about God. Uh, but a young classmate uh, invited me to her church when we were living in Georgia, and it was a really 
lively church, a black gospel church. And I was just so amazed. I mean, people were standing up, you know, uh, clapping their hands and praising the Lord. And I was a Catholic. <laughs> you know, this was like, wow, what is going on here? Went home, said to my father, can I go back? And he said, no, you can't go back. I guess he didn't like the influence. So, um, so I ne- that was a real impact in my life. It wasn't anything that there was no body that actually walked beside me that I that mentored me or anything. I just God t- was tapping me on the shoulder in that moment. So, um, and and a few other times in my life like that. But Leo, your your journey, your journey of faith in Christ. Yeah. Well, again, I was brought up Catholic, and we went to church every Sunday, but uh, there was not much of a relationship with Christ going on. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, it's a funny thing. The way I came to Christ uh, is kind of humorous. um, Nancy's mother died in 1980, and we took her up to New Hampshire to bury her just aside of Canada. and when you go up that far, there aren't many places to stay. So we stayed at a hotel called the Foxy Lady. Appropriately named, the place was a dump. But it had a Gideon's Bible. My wife picks up the Gideon's Bible and starts reading it. Then she stole it. But you're supposed to steal Gideon's Bible, so that's what they're for. Anyway, she takes it home. She's reading this thing 24 hours a day. I'm ready to strangle her. And then she starts watching the 700 Club 24 hours a day. I was going to kick her out of the house. Pat Robertson? Yep. So I finally said to her, look, I'm going to show you how foolish you're being. I'm going to show you how wrong this is. So I picked up a Gideon's Bible, and I started reading it, and, and I became a Christian. So with my wife's inward strength, she drew me to Christ. Nancy, what was it in that time of life that you picked up the Gideon's Bible or stole it and and was so so drawn in by it that you wouldn't put it down well um, my story you know I was not a Christian obviously I we lived a very party type life and um, we were celebrating uh, New Year's Eve we had thrown a big uh, bash um, in 1979 celebrating the welcoming of 1980 and um, I had way too many drinks that night and came home and fell asleep and got a phone call that morning, early that morning from my youngest brother telling me that our mother had died. And my life changed from that moment on because I wanted, I wanted to know where she was. I had not lost anybody before, my grandmother a long time before, but um, there was this deep hole in my soul from not having my mother. So we had three kids, and um, I had all these questions that hadn't been answered from, you know, that I had for her. So I had a friend from high school, she actually works for us now, and she was a, uh, she did tarot cards and you know that kind of thing um uh, i can't think of the word i want to say right now but anyways i called her up and i said uh seance i said i need to talk to my mother um can you arrange a seance 
and she said to me, now we had went to high school together since, well, I knew her since I was 14, but she said to me, Nancy, you don't need a seance. What you need is Jesus Christ. And I was like, that's the first time I'd ever heard him mentioned in a, like he was a real person. You know, in my life, it was usually a swear word where I heard his name. So she told me about the 700 Club, and so I started watching that. Uh, we actually went up to bury my mother um, in the springtime, she, because the ground was too, um, too hard to bury her in January. She died New Year's Day. Um, so I think I watched you know, the 700 Club, and then we went up to um, uh, Grove to New Hampshire, and when we were sitting in this hotel room, I s just had that, like somebody had just pulled my insides out with pain, and so I pulled the Bible. I, there was nothing else to do in the hotel room. There was no TV, nothing. So I opened it up, and the Gideon Bible tells you in the beginning where to go in times of, and so I was just reading that, and I turned to the page, and in my life, I will never forget, the page just became alive. God was speaking to me. I was reading, but he was really speaking to me so it changed me and I tried to explain that to Leo but you know. you're listening to Nancy and Leo Martin they uh, they live in Plymouth they have uh, an organization a program you could call it a ministry of sorts the Jenny it was the, the Jenny Grist Mill at one point. They may share a little bit about that. They're talking about history. They live in a place of rich history. But they're talking about their history. And the history that speaks of his story, Christ's story of graciously intersecting, tenderly touching their lives. My friend, when we, when we come back from our break, you're going to hear more from Nancy and Leo. But I want to ask you, have you ever felt like you were so deeply searching for something that you couldn't put a, put a finger on, you couldn't quite figure out what it was that you're looking for, and some deep pain pulls you to and you see the scriptures. Well, the scriptures give hope and life and light in Christ. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. 
You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. He's a true patriot and historian. I'm speaking about Leo Martin. He's the education director at the Jenny Interpretive Center in Plymouth, uh, where he's known for his service giving historical tours and lectures, dressed in pilgrim costume. He's a champion of our nation's founding principles displayed in the National Monument to the Forefathers in Plymouth. He turns to his wife, Nancy, their history together, their work together, their decades of service, love for the nation and love for God. As we went to our break, Nancy was sharing her story, which is really their story, which is really the story of God's grace and working in their life. When I think about moments like these, it's important for us to remember that God is always, always reaching, looking, searching. And if you're in that place, make no mistake, this is not by chance that you're hearing Nancy and Leo The Lord sent them here today, and the Lord sends us together in this time to remind you that you're not alone, that he knows you, that he loves you, that he wants to reveal more of himself to you and draw you to himself. And this is all made possible through the love of Jesus Christ. God's love made manifest through the marvelous working of Christ on the cross. And there is always resurrection hope. Leo and Nancy, as you grew in your faith, at what point did the idea for the Jenny Interpretive Center emerge in your hearts? Well, when we lived in situate, raised our kids, uh, we, Leo was a remodeling contractor, and we had a part-time photography business together. And so when we, we did out of our home, and when we moved to Situate, I said to Leo, you know, do you think we could go find a place to rent um, a studio? So I didn't really want to do it in my home anymore. So just too much work getting ready for people in your home and all that. So he said, sure, you know, go look. So he went off to, um, to work, and we were asking some people that live in the area where was a good place to have dinner. And so they told us about this place called the Run of the Mill Tavern, which is right located right, right by the mill. It's actually attached to it. Well, it was. Um, so this was back a long time ago. So we went to dinner that night, and we were walking around the back of the building, and there was, there's a grist mill there that was not operating, and then the restaurant. And so we were walking around the side of the building, and I looked at the building, and the telephone number on the sign, which said for sale, was 508-747-7777. So being the discerning Christian woman that I am, I looked and said, oh my gosh, I got a call about this building. Here we have this beautiful water wheel and it was, the flowers. It was just beautiful, perfect place for a photo studio. So I called the building the next day. We couldn't afford to buy it. Obviously, we had just bought a home. Um, but the guy said, well, it's not for sale. Uh, it's for rent, though. The mill, the restaurant, is not included. 
So I said, okay, so we'll go and look at it. And I told him I wanted to have a photo studio there. So the next day I went down with our two daughters. Leo went off to work. He didn't have time that day to look at it. I fell totally in love with the place. It was just so charming, perfect place. So I said, Leo, you got to go see it the next day. So he says, okay. He goes down with me, and the landlord meets us there. And Leo looks around. He takes inside. It's a reconstruction of a 1636 grist mill, which is, for those that don't know, a mill that grinds corn. And it was a reproduction. Uh, John Jenny, where the name Jenny came in, uh, built it, the first one in our country. So Leo looks around, looks at the owner, and says, what is this place? So he proceeds to tell him the history of the Jenny Gristmill. And the next thing I know, he looks at me and says, I think I want to run this. And I said, what? <laughs> what about my photography business? He goes, well, you can just you know, incorporate that into what we do. And so that was kind of the uh, beginning of the Jenny Grissom. What, what went on inside to trigger that response? Well, here I am in Plymouth, Massachusetts, America's hometown, standing on the site of the uh, first original mill built in the country in 1636. And I'm looking around, and uh, I had just thrown through Plymouth, and I see all these out-of-state license plates all these people in town, I said, wow, what an opportunity we have here to tell the history of our country through this grist mill. And I knew nothing about it. I had to learn everything right from scratch. So I'm looking around, I said, I, I, I just got, all of a sudden, I need to run this mill. It's like a, a, a light went on in your heart. That's right. That's right. And we opened it. And everything formulated in the moment. Hmm. Just like that. And there was no, we didn't know about the history of Plymouth. We, we knew nothing. We are the people, we were the people that we are now trying to reach, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking around and, and, and I, I brought in a, a, a millwright to show me how to grind corn and how to run the mill. And so I ground 100 pounds of corn every week in the mill and I gave tours. But... In the beginning, it wasn't enough to support us, so I'd give a tour in the morning, and I'd go build on my houses and then come back at 4 o'clock and give another tour. And I did that for two years, trying to balance both out. And we're going along, and someone finally said to me, do you know about the Christian history of this country, of Plymouth? I said, no, I don't. Well, where do I go to find out? And they said, well, there's a guy in town. He's a pastor called Paul J. Lee. You might want to give him a call. I said, okay. So the next day I called him and I said, uh, Dr. J. Lee, my name's Leo Martin. I'm running the grist mill and I need to know the Christian history of the country. Is there anything you can help me out with? He goes, oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, give me a couple days. The next day I had a stack of papers two feet high on my desk about all the Christian history of our country. And I started reading it. And I said, man, we've got to tell this story because it's not being told. It's being revised. We have to tell what, how our country was founded on Christian principles. And from that day on, we started working on it, became a nonprofit, and, uh, and started putting together the Christian history of our country economically, family-wise, and the whole reason we're America's hometown. I want to come back to the hometown 
the Jamestown, Plymouth. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But how many people come to see Plymouth Rock each year? Oh, hundreds of thousands. It's just sometimes it's set up to about 800,000 people a season. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny because people make fun of Plymouth Rock. If you've ever seen it, it's quite underwhelming. But uh, when you know the stories, it makes it better. But people come, and, and that's our mark. That brings people to Plymouth. So you can make fun of it and go, oh, look at that tiny rock and all that. But it's about our history, and it brings people to our country. And we talk about, uh, when I do my walking tour, I talk about that rock. And I tell people the real meaning behind Plymouth Rock. Uh, not that it was just where they stepped off the Mayflower, but what what really happened, and 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 it's so important to us. I'm on, like you know, I'm on the board of the Plymouth Tourism uh, Board, and that's our signature, and we put it right out there, you know, come talk to the Rock. We have an advertising campaign, talk to Plymouth Rock, because that draws people to Plymouth, and once we get them in Plymouth, now, we can tell them the real story of Plymouth. Now we've got them. Give a little snapshot of that real meaning of the rock. Well, I'll be honest with you. When most people come to Plymouth and they look at Plymouth Rock again, they are somewhat underwhelmed. But some of the stories does make it better. Uh, in the 1700s, uh, the town of Plymouth was going to build a pier over Plymouth Rock. So the elder of the church, Elder Fawns, walked three miles to say goodbye to Plymouth Rock. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but Elder Fawns was 95 years old when he walked those three miles. Poor man looked at the rock, he had tears in his eyes. Folks in town looked at him and said, hey, what's the big deal, it's a rock? He said, oh no, that's not a rock, that's the rock. That's where the pilgrims stepped when they got off the Mayflower. Folks looked at him again and said, how do you know that? He said, for crying out loud, I'm 95 years old, I knew them, they told me that. And he was such a man of high character and integrity, everybody believed him, we never built the pier. I also believe him. I do believe that's where the pilgrims stepped when they got off the Mayflower. However, most people would probably agree with me. They must have got out in single file. <laughs> but there's also a crack in the rock. That happened during the Revolutionary War. During the Revolution, the men in Plymouth, we didn't want to go to war, so how are you going to get us clowns to sign up? Here's the deal, we're going to take Plymouth Rock, put it in the back of a wagon, bring it up to Town Square, put it next to the Liberty Pole. Get the men to rally around the rock and Liberty Pole, sign up and go to war. Not a bad idea. Put the rock in the wagon. On the way to Plymouth Rock, nobody was touching Plymouth Rock. It snapped in half. Guy in the wagon looked at it, he says, wow, the rock split. That must be an omen. That means we should split from England. So they left half the rock on the beach, called it the British half, took the other half to town square, called it the American half. All the men rallied around the American half, signed up, and went off to war. So it is a mark that we can use to tell the history of our country. But there's also a different way to look at it. In our 300th anniversary, a young man came to Plymouth and made this statement about Plymouth Rock. He said, Plymouth Rock does not mark a beginning or an end. It marks a revelation that is without beginning and without end, a purpose, shining through eternity like a resplendent light, undimmed even by the imperfections of men, a response, a purposeful answer from those who, oblivious to all else, were simply searching for an avenue for the immortal soul. That young man, John Calvin Coolidge, at the time, governor of Massachusetts, eventually president of the United States. So when anybody wants to ask you who's the only president to be named after John Calvin, that would be Calvin Coolidge. 
You're listening to Leo Martin. Leo and Nancy Martin share the history, the history of Plymouth, the history of their own lives, and how God has led them to the work, the ministry, uh, the service that they are a part of and giving to the people and all the visitors of Plymouth. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. Uh, Leo wrote a book called Pilgrim Pursuit of Happiness. Talks about the five liberties the pilgrims were searching for when they left the Church of England. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. How important was owning property to the pilgrims? Why was that important to them? That and more. Stay with us now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life. They must leave beneath On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Thanks for joining us. If you're tuning in right now or maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, you can get this podcast. It's available for you. Just go to drdanny.live. Available at major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe to uh, this podcast, drdanny.live. Leo Martin's book, Pilgrim Pursuit of Happiness, talks about the five liberties the pilgrims were searching for when they left the Church of England and came to the New World and is the subject of one of the exhibits at the Jenny. But before we go into that, how important, how important was owning property to pilgrims? It was very important, and sometimes we cloud that issue. Um, and where we are located, in our museum is right on the original site of Plymouth Plantation, along a river called Town Brook, where they built their plantation. And when people come to visit me, they uh, are told or assume uh, that the pilgrims stole that land from the Indians. Uh, they did not. See, before the pilgrims came, hunters would come from Europe, hunt, and go back home. On occasion, they would invite Indians aboard their ships to trade with them, capture them as slaves, and take them back to Europe. One of those Indians' name was Squanto. Squanto was a Pawtuxet Indian. Pawtuxet means small river. They were named after the river. Uh, what happened with Squanto was he was invited aboard a ship by a hunter by the name of Hunt. 
I know, you can't make this stuff up. Anyway, Hunt takes him back to Europe. He escapes to a monastery, learns English. Six months before the pilgrims come, he comes back in another ship to discover the Patuxent Indians wiped out by a plague. He went into mourning with Massasoit and the Wampanoag. Six months later, the pilgrims arrive. He became the interpreter between the pilgrims and the Indians. That's the only way they can communicate. William Bradford did refer to him as a special gift from God. But the reason I bring it up is when people come to Plymouth, they are either told or believe, again, that the pilgrims stole the land from the Indians. They did not. The Indians did not want the land. They would not come back on it because of the plague. The pilgrims took land. Nobody wanted everything after that. They paid for it to the chief, Massasoit. This is very important. If we can't own property, we have absolutely no power. Whoever owns the property we do business on will be our master. We will be their slave. We have to have the ability to own property. And the number one property the pilgrims believed they owned and nobody had a right to touch was their conscience, what they believed. What you believe is your property. Nobody has a right to take it from you. And that's why the pilgrims came to Plymouth. There was a gentleman back in England trying to take the property of what they believed away from them. They would not allow it. They came here instead. Of course, that gentleman's name is King James. Now, again, what happens is when people think, who really owns the property? If I walk through a piece of property, does that mean I own it? No. When you own a piece of property, you take a piece of property and you work that piece of property with your hands. And whatever you produce out of that property is yours. You produced it. But if you want to get to the bottom line, the property goes, whoever created the property owns the property. God is the creator. That's God's property, and he was gracious enough to lend, lend us a small part of that property. But our job now to honor God is to produce the best we can off that property with our hands to honor God. Work, property, it's worship. You worship God by working hard with what he gave you, and here's the good news. He only wants 10% back. Why did you call it the Jenny Interpretive Center? Hmm. Well, that goes back a little bit. Um, we were, it was Jenny Grismel when we got it. That's what was named from the time John Jenny had it. Uh, and everybody in town knew that name. So we kept that name. And then when we became a nonprofit, we took that name, not thinking anything but we were going to be here forever. You know, we didn't know what, what that was going to mean as we went on. Uh, so we had that name until we got into the house we have now, which was a gift to us from God. And we had that house, and it needed to have some kind of a name because uh, the Jenny Gris Mill belonged to the owner of the mill. So we changed our nonprofit to Jenny House Museum, which is our original name. That's our legal name. Um, so we changed it to that, and then we were told by the town that we were deceiving the public because John Jenny never lived in that house. We were under the impression that he did live either in it or on it somewhere. So we changed it again to Jenny Museum and kept our legal name. And then um, uh, the sweet man came from... Uh, he was, I think he was one of the founders or something of Silver Dollar City. And he came to Plymouth and 
he went around Plymouth and he looked at all the different attractions and he came to us. We didn't know him. He was a Christian man, older Christian man. And he came in and he said, you know, you guys, you really need to change your name. You're not a museum and you're deceiving the public. <laughs> Seemed to be <laughs> something we do, I guess. Um, so he explained to us that when you come into our building, which someday you will, uh, you don't have artifacts. The artifacts are Leo and I. So there's pictures, there's video, there's storytelling. So he said, you should call yourselves the Interpretive Center. So we call ourselves the Jenny Interpretive Center because we are interpreting the Pilgrim story. And as far as we also say we're the Jenny because it's easier than saying Jenny Interpretive Center. We'll go back now to this, as, as we, we get more context to the journey of where you are and what you're doing. What were the five liberties? You gave us a little bit about conscience, but what were the five liberties the pilgrims were searching for when they left England? Well, the five liberties, as I have them listed in my book, are spiritual liberty, religious liberty, political liberty, constitutional liberty, economic liberty, all wrapped in prayer. And, and, and it confuses people. Wrapped in prayer. Wrapped in prayer. But the whole concept confuses people because if you have spiritual liberty and, and, and religious liberty, what's the difference? Isn't that the same thing? Of course it's not. Spiritual liberty is something you have on the inside. You learn to govern yourself from the inside out. And the way you do that is by basing everything you do on biblical law. You, you govern yourselves by learning the Bible. And that way, that now you can regulate yourself. Now you've taught yourself how to be a good civil servant. Because our job, quite frankly, as parents, is to teach our children to be good civil servants. And how do you do that? You teach them to do that by reading the Bible and giving them biblical principles to live by. We have to live by biblical law uh, in a civil government that we have today because that's the only thing that's consistent. If I make the law, I can change it. Or you can change it if you make the law, but if we have biblical law, nobody can change that. That's God's law. We have to learn how to live by biblical law. And when we turn, teach that to our children. Now they can get this spiritual change on the inside too. And if you're looking, if you look in the Bible, it tells us that with the New Covenant or the New Testament, we're told that Jesus came in and, and filled our hearts and our minds and changed us internally. That's spiritual liberty. You change, in other words, you become a Christian, and now you know how to govern other people. So, and that can't be taken away from you. You own that. Religious liberty, that can be taken away from you. It's external. And the pilgrims came here because their religious liberty, external, was being taken away from them. But they couldn't lose their spiritual liberty. They, that's brought them here, and that's what they lived by. And they did it because they were covenant people, and they lived by covenants. The Mayflower Compact was a covenant under God that we would form a body politic with God in charge. So as long as you stay under that covenant, you've got something solid to walk on. But if you remove the covenant, you're gonna have chaos. 
See, God's a God of order. If you remove God from his place, his throne, you're going to have chaos. I don't know if you've noticed a little chaos lately because we're moving God from his throne. So now that's the difference between spiritual and religious liberty. What about political and constitutional? Political liberty is we formed a civil government with God in charge, and the civil government changed the power structure. In England, the power structure went from the king to the people, uh, from, from the king to God to the people. In the Mayflower Compact, it goes from God to the people to the representative. Now the representatives responsible to the people as long as they stay responsible to God. The whole order has changed. But of course, our responsibility is to stay responsible to God. And once we remove from that, we've got a problem. That's political liberty. Constitutional, you write it down. We signed a peace treaty with the Indians. We wrote it down. Wrote Mayflower Compact, written down. The Constitution, written down. So if there's any question, look at it. There it is. There's no question. But if you don't write it down, ah, now it can flow back and forth. And of course, economic liberty, it all comes under the covenant. You run your economics under God's law. People say to me all the time, how can you talk about economic liberty with God and religious liberty? They don't mix. Oh yeah, they do. Economics is mentioned more in the Bible than any other subject. We need to to get what, take what God gave us and we be responsible for that and be responsible for other people. In other words, run our economy under biblical law, all wrapped in prayer. And that basically is what the book is about. You're listening to Leo Martin giving us a, a review, a snapshot of what he wrote. As you can tell, as he speaks, it's flowing out of his heart, out of his mind. We actually have two parallel stories going on here. The story of the pilgrims and the story of the Jenny Museum, but Jenny Interpretive Center. Uh, Not not, not to set anybody (laughs) off. (laughs) Nancy Martin and Leo Martin speaking. There is a certain level of fluidity that emanates from a person or a couple when they live in the world of which they speak. They live in the place day in, day out. They love where they are. They're called to be where they are. And my friend, you might be thinking, wow, that's admirable. That's really some, well, go and see them. You can find out more, in fact, at thejenny.org, but you can go and see them in Plymouth and uh, spend time there, go on a tour. And the tours, I would say, go sooner than later because there is a premium on those tours because of the men that we're allowed to listen to today. So this is a, a preview, really, of what you can experience when you go there. Now, if someone goes into the, the Interpretive Center, what will they see? Nancy? Um, <clears throat> well, they wouldn't want to go now because we're not open until the springtime. That's important to say. Um, but if they come in, the first thing they're going to do is come into our gift shop. And our gift shop is, I love our gift shop. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of books on the history. We have a few fun things, but mostly it all goes with our mission to educate people. So we have a lot of different, we have some local authors. We have uh authors from all over the country uh, that have put books in our store. 
and we have children's books as well. So that would be the first thing they'd see. Um, and then we have uh, two, actually three exhibits. We have The Pursuit of Happiness, which is based on those liberties that Leo was talking about. And we have a video in there where Leo is actually talking the story. So it would be like what you're listening to right now. He's telling you the story. So if you don't like to read, you can listen. And then we have an abolitionist exhibit, and we talk about slavery from the time when the pilgrims came to up until today where there are uh, a lot of people still in slavery in our country today and all over the world. And then we have a family exhibit and a covenant exhibit down in our uh, lower level. So Those things are available for you at... At uh, the Jenny, you can find out more. In fact, at thejenny.org. When we come back in our final segment, we'll talk about schooling. Yes, formal schooling. We'll talk about how many books did John Bradford bring on the Mayflower. But here's a question: Jamestown and Plymouth. What's the difference in view of England? Which one is America's hometown? That and a bit more when we come back. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life, famously beneath the bear. Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A police officer found a girl crying on the sidewalk one day. What's wrong? he asked. I'm lost, she said. Do you have your parents' phone number? he asked. No, she said. What about your address? No, she began to sob. Suddenly, she stopped, and her eyes brightened. What happened, the officer asked. I remember, she said. There's a church near my house, and at the top of the church, there's a cross. Take me to the cross. Take me to the cross, because when I see the cross, I'll be able to find my way home. My friend, if you feel like you've lost your way, Turn to the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Will you turn to Jesus? Open your heart to Him and find your way home to God. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny. A program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. So the people called the pilgrims, they were a covenant people that Leo Martin is quite clear in explaining and describing. But God is a God of providence and the providence of God has worked in marvelous ways in the life of Leo and Nancy Martin. Nancy, speak to us about God's providence, his care, his blessings. Well, one of my favorite stories to tell people is how we became um, owners of the property that we have now. Um, I have to quickly say it was a foundation that was left an an older couple owned this property they left it in charge with three uh, trustees to educate people on the history of Plymouth Uh, they never really got into the uh, mode of uh, 
of how important that was. So they didn't really do any educating. So one day they shut off the heat and they didn't drain the pipes and um, or shut off the water in the house. And so water, the pipes burst. It was in December. Pipes burst and for three days water just poured through the whole building. And they were found um, negligent. There's a longer story to it. But they were found negligent by the insurance company. So there was no payment to fix any of the damage. And so they were a nonprofit, these trustees. So they um, had to uh, dissolve the nonprofit. And when you dissolve a nonprofit, you can't just sell the property and put the money in your pocket and move on. You have to give it to another nonprofit. Well, we were a nonprofit running the grist mill, and we didn't have any assets. We didn't have an office or a bathroom or anything. And um, they, wanted to give it away to another, had to give it away to another nonprofit. So Leo and I said, you know, we'll take it uh, just the way it is. And so they called Leo and said, sign the papers. The property belongs to you. Other nonprofits had wanted the property because it was built in 1749, uh, but they wanted it repaired. Well, Well, Leo was a remodeling contractor for 30 years. So God knew when Leo was in his 20s what he was going to need to do when he was in his 50s. So we now own that property with no mortgage. So uh, it was clear that God gave it to us, and we were standing in the room, uh, the Pilgrim Pursuit of Happiness room, and there was nothing on the walls at that point, just paint. And we were standing there, and I said, okay, God, you gave us the house, what is it that you want us to do with it? And he clearly spoke to me, sort of like he did up in that hotel room, and he said, you are to educate and re-educate my people on the history of their country. And I looked at Leo and I said, I know what we're supposed to do with this now. And so from that moment on, we basically started telling the story. God's timeliness, his providing hand and the preparation, it speaks to us about God's working of preparation when we aren't even aware that the situations, that the moments, even the struggles that we go through, the Lord is still moving and working in preparation for things ahead. You talked about covenant people. You talk about writing down the constitution, the compact. Say more about the meaning of the covenant people. Yeah, when, you, uh, when we're talking about covenants, we have two types of covenants. We have a covenant with us and God, and then we have a covenant with each other. And what happens first is that uh, the new covenant, the covenant with God, like I say, we change our hearts and our minds, and we've, we're following Jesus Christ now, and we make that covenant with him. And the only reason, in my opinion, that that covenant worked and none other did in the Old Testament is because God took care of it. He did everything. All we had to do was believe. So once that happened and we can form this covenant, now we've got this, again, this spiritual liberty on the inside. So what happened with the pilgrims is they lived under King James, and King James was the head of the church. And King James considered himself God's representative on earth. And once you do that, you're going to eventually think you're God on earth. And that's what happened with King James. So he wanted everybody to worship him. It was against the law not to be in his church. 
they had to worship him. The pilgrims said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to have church in our homes. And they wrote a covenant back then called the Scrooby Covenant, a church covenant where they would honor one another with God in charge and love one another and never let that covenant go. And that's what pulled them away from uh, being in the church. That's what pulled them away to go to Holland for 12 years before they came here. And that's what caused 102 pilgrims, 51 dying the first winter, and not one of them going back at the end of that first winter when the captain asked them to go back home. Not one went back on the ship because the covenant was so strong for them that they were going to follow what God had planned for them and they were going to do it. And that's what they did. And people come to me all the time and say, what, who am I? I'm one person, what can I do? I said, 51 people started your country. Of course there's something you can do. But once we're under that covenant and we honor that covenant, now we've got something. Now we've got our people following Jesus Christ as a covenant God. And that's why the pilgrims did what they did. This, this speaks of, there's a, there's a message here for someone going through tough times, facing adversity. I want us to close our time together and just ask for a time of prayer from you, Leo, and Nancy, just to pray for our listener who may be going through a tough time in view of this message and the, the, the covenant God that we serve, a prayer of hope and a prayer of encouragement. Would you pray? Sure thing. Please. Thank you. Well, first of all, Lord, we thank you for this incredible adventure we've been on, and we uh, ask you to let us continue to be on this adventure and help us to learn from the pilgrims, from their covenant point of view, from their standing, from their commitment. See, they did not, they did not, uh, they did not thank God for everything. They thank God in everything. So everything that happened to them was God's blessing on them. Our job is to not look at what God's doing. Our job is to find out what is in it for us. Everything God does is for our best good. And they did that. 18 married women came on the Mayflower, 14 died the first winter, yet they still followed God, loved God, and they saw the hope in the fact that they had this spiritual change on the inside, the spiritual liberty. And it's the only way you can be free is that spiritual liberty in God because it can never be taken away from you. So our hope is in that covenant. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, in God, and that we can follow that covenant and, and the hope will just shine bright. Well, Father, we just praise you and we thank you that no matter where we are in our life, I think back to being in my 20s, I never would have ever thought that you had a plan for my life to be where I am now. But there is so much that you have done by touching me in a, in a dirty hotel room uh, many, many years ago. You had that plan for my life uh, to be where we are now, telling people uh, that there is hope, that you have a plan for their life, even if it doesn't look like we, like you do, or like there is any hope. There is something wonderful waiting for us if we just trust you and follow you. And I just 
praise you and thank you that we have had this amazing journey, this amazing pilgrim-type journey, not knowing from day to day where we were headed, but that you have blessed us beyond belief with so many wonderful people we've met and so many wonderful stories we've heard and been able to share, uh, especially about this wonderful group of pilgrims who sacrificed so much for our country so we could be here today in this wonderful place that we live. And we just praise you and we thank you for all of your blessings. Amen. 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 The encouragement, the inspiration is in the story. As we wrap up today, a lightning round because I, I teed it up. So we're going to fly through this. How many books did John Bradford have did he bring on the Mayflower? He brought over 400 books with him on the Mayflower. A library brought. Jamestown and Plymouth, what's the difference? We're America's hometown because Jamestown went there to strike it rich. We came here to build a society. We came as families. They didn't have women for 12 years. How did children learn about formal schooling? Well, the formal schooling initially was homeschooling that we have today because we didn't have enough children to have a formal school. But eventually they did, and the uh, oldest formal school in the country is right here in Boston, Massachusetts. It's still there. It's the, um, my father went there, and I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, Boston Latin? Boston Latin, yeah. Leo and Nancy Martin, what a gift you are. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Scintillating words from Leo and Nancy Martin. TheJenny.org. My friend, God's timing is perfect. And there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, look, I believe, I believe this is the perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps, more resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and major podcast platforms. Psalm 105 verse 8, he remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Leo and Nancy Martin, thejenny.org. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Shina Kusumoto, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.